so so I learned early on that if I come home and start speaking project management language to my wife and kids, they they go no. <laughs> what's your objective of this session? Well, we're here to have fun. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what what's our, our success criteria here? What what do you mean? So, so it's actually changing the language as well. So, so I, I found that really challenging because I spent all day long managing people, many you know budgets, control, and all that kind of language. Coming home and then having to change that completely and go right. I'm a dad. I'm here to support. Here to nurture. Here to encourage. And not have any business speak. You're listening to the Risky Mix Parenthood Diaries. Join us as we explore the lives of working parents in insurance, the highs, the lows, and the laughs in between. I'm Katie. I'm Raj. And I'm Josie. Come learn and be inspired by our guests' stories and let's work together to create an insurance industry that supports working parents the way it should do. And a quick thanks to our series partners, Genesis and the Camelot Network, for their ongoing support and making it possible for us to do what we do. Hello there, Raj speaking. I'm sad to say that we've arrived at the final episode of the Risky Mix Parenthood Diaries series. But don't worry, we're going out with a bang. For this episode, we welcome the wonderful David Clamp to the podcast. Not only is he the founder of one of our series sponsors, the Camelot Network, and long-standing supporter of the Risky Mix, but he also works as an independent consultant helping insurance businesses to navigate and embrace digital innovation across the globe. As a father of four, now adult children, he reflects on the different challenges he faced juggling work and family life through the years, but also to give us his take on where the insurance industry has made progress in supporting working parents and where there's room for improvement. I really enjoyed this conversation, which has some really touching moments sprinkled in. So today's Risky Mix podcast recording is relatively unique because we have all three hosts on, so uh, Raj, Josie and myself, and our guest David. And the reason we've done that is because for the first time we have a daughter-dad, daughter-super-dad combo uh, on the episode. Um, so welcome, welcome David. Perhaps you can tell us which, which one of us is your daughter. I think it might be uh, Josie. <laughs> correct. That's question correct. Very um, excited to have you on the podcast and nice to be able to call you dad in this setting. Usually very used to calling you David in this kind of environment. So yeah, a special one for me as well. I'm pleased to be able to call you Josie. <laughs> right, let's dive in. So David, I know you well. I obviously know Josie well. You have done a fantastic job at raising four children, which is a huge task in itself. And and obviously you've been working during that time. Um, so can you just tell us a bit more about that that journey, really, and and yeah, balancing family and, and work. Thanks so much, and and thanks for having me on the on the podcast. Uh, I've listened to the other episodes, and they've been absolutely fascinating. Um, but I'm going to be telling kind of my story, my my experiences. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got four children and the four fantastic children, all grown up now. They're, I won't give you their ages. It'd be a bit embarrassing for Josie. Um, <laughs> but but uh, they're, all, they're all grown up and um, almost all thrown their nest. Um, I have no idea what they're doing, but I know exactly how much they cost. Uh, so, so so yeah, I, we we consciously made the decision to to have a large family, my wife and I. And uh, we also, uh, right at the start, consciously sort of talked about 
who would be going out to work and who, who would be looking after the children. Um, and we we made the joint decision that uh, my wife would stay at home. She would she would raise the children, uh, and that's a complete job in its own right. That's a that's a multifaceted role, um, and I absolutely take my hat off to my wife for doing that role. But I, I um, uh, continued to commute into the city of London, uh, where I had various roles in, in corporates, and then the last six years I've worked uh, for myself, an independent advisor. So yeah, plenty of experience of the, the highs and lows of bringing up uh, four children. Um, supporting them, supporting my wife, and also holding down a, a full-time job in the city. Yeah, thank you. And and I think what's interesting about your experience, perhaps compared to some of our other guests who've been on the series, they've had, uh, we've had quite a few guests with younger children. And I think, although you didn't disclose the ages of your children, you know, they are slightly older and more, more independent, I suppose. So I think it'd be really interesting to get your perspective through the ages, really. Kind of, were there times that were easier than others? Um, so it, it all starts with this sort of miracle. I remember at the, um, the, the hospital seeing this, you know, beautiful little baby arrive, um, absolutely sort of, sort of fragile and, and, and small, but absolutely beautiful. And, uh, and, and from that moment, it was sort of like, okay, what do we do here? How do we do it? And, you know, we went to NCT classes and, and, and what have you, but there were, there was no real, really anybody going, right, this is how to do it. And, and, uh, I think so. So the early stages, brilliant, uh, quite challenging physically. Uh, when when you're sleep deprived, Josie had colic for the first nine months. Sorry, wouldn't sleep at night. <laughs> I'm waiting to get my revenge. Um, Stop uh, hearing this. You, you literally would not go to sleep uh, unless I was humming the French national anthem. It's <laughs> very specific. No, literally. And then when I stopped, I go, ah, oh, okay. I go to sleep, literally goes, and then you wake up again. Oh. Uh, so, so physically demanding sleepless nights, uh, the crying, getting used to crying. But the other, the other thing was something I, I, I remember in those early years. Actually, my role was was less about the little toddler, the little babies, but more about supporting my my wife, uh, who was doing incredibly and all kind of uh, the, the hormone changes going on with her and and, and uh, the work she you know she did bringing them up. Um, so my role was was predominantly at that stage in su- supporting her. But then the, then they kind of they become toddlers and terrible twos and and stuff. And uh, yeah, this this middle phase is, is is great. When you come home from work, they run up and and hug you and uh, give you a kiss and say, "Daddy, we love you," and that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but I did, I did realize that at, at that point, uh, those those young kids they they spell love, T I M E. Time, time was the most important thing. It's spending time with them. Um, and teenage years, um, well, it's it's how you interpret interpret grunts, really. Um, <laughs> uh, physically demanding, uh, but definitely more mentally demanding. They discovering that dad really doesn't know anything until they hit around eighteen, nineteen, and then suddenly they realise, oh, dad, you do know things. Um, but it's that kind of fallow years, fourteen to eighteen, is where you know your your, your kind of role uh, isn't done, but you're leaning on people to uh, be mentors for your kids because they reject whatever you say, part of nature, unfortunately. Uh, and the other thing I noticed during those teenage years was that um, I really need to stay really close to my wife. Those teenagers spotted any daylight between my wife and I, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll go for it. They'll, they're really kind of... Right. <laughs> this is a real insight for Josie into, into your experience. <laughs> Um, you mentioned particularly during the toddler years that time is a is very important. And then 
in the teenage years. How did you manage that with a full-time, you know, busy senior role and lots of responsibility in the work in the workforce? Did you find that you had flexibility that you needed? Did you get support in that way? To, to a certain to a certain extent, I think the 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 real thing I learned was you have to ruthlessly prioritize what you're doing um, because work could have expanded to fill literally all, all the time available in, in the day and night and to ha- have really clear boundaries and a, attempt to stick to them or, or stick to them um, as best you can is is, is critical. And, and then uh, be, being able to understand that when I will come through the door at home, I leave work behind. And I mean, not just because of coming back from physically, but mentally as well. Uh, so, so I learned early on that if I come home and start speaking project management language to my wife and kids, they they go no. <laughs> what's your objective of this session? Well, we're here to have fun. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what, what, what's our, our success criteria here? What? What do you mean? So, so it's actually changing the language as well. So, so I, I found that really challenging because I spent all day long managing people, managing you know budgets, control, and all that kind of language. Coming home. And then having to change that completely and go, right, I'm a dad, I'm here to support, here to nurture, here to encourage and not have any business speak. Yeah. And and Josie, it'd be interesting to get your perspective because you you lived you lived through that and, and the potential project management come <laughs> over dinner. <laughs> How do you remember that? Do you you know it's really interesting because dad and I have spoken about this before and and he's you know shared that that kind of challenge around balancing and how I think I mean one of the things that's come up throughout the series as a bit of a theme is this kind of element of guilt of not doing you know not doing enough as as parents um and and a lot of that is rooted in that balance of work but honestly and this is absolutely the truth my biggest memory when I think back to um my image of dad working when I was growing up was the fact that whenever I'd ring him at work during the day if I needed to call for whatever reason he would he would always pick up for one thing and he would always I would always say do you have a minute or do you have time can I speak to you and he would say I always have time for you that's always the response and it's interesting because that obviously to be ringing I was older you know I, that was older yes. that is that's something that I'm thinking back to and remembering that those slightly later years but I I think don't remember anywhere near as much any of the bits that you're talking about there um dad I in fact speaking on the theme of guilt when I think back to those times of you coming back from London and um and kind of the experience of you coming in from work I actually get a guilty feeling because my strongest memory is when you when we realized or when I think it was I think it was mum that sat us down and said guys you stopped getting up to give dad a hug when he comes in the room he's working really hard he's coming in and you guys are kind of ignoring him and we I remember um, at the time I didn't really take that on board but looking back I feel awful about the fact that we didn't appreciate that in the way so it's I think it's really fascinating how the different the perspective looking back on it and often it's rooted in what we didn't do enough for the other person so yeah that's my, my two pence I think I think you did a fantastic job Josie thank, thanks very much I remember many times the kids going dad 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 no, no dad 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 I go, oh, yeah yeah what, what do you want and then suddenly my phone would go off from a work call and be hi yeah how are you yes how can I help mm-hmm. that, that. I don't remember that <laughs> at all I'm glad you didn't spot it, um, <laughs> but but I, I, I've certainly learned that kids learn by actions, mm. not mm. by words or what you say. Mm. What you do uh, is is so so powerful. 
Absolutely. And and I think it's fair to say that the parenting journey is, is a learning experience kind of the, the whole time. Would you say at your kind of stage now with, with older children, is there anything you learned along the way that you wish you'd known right from the start? Oh, plenty. Um, so, so, so firstly, relish every moment. Um, never rush to the next phase. Never say it'll be better when... Um, Second one is you're there to love and 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 support your partner, like my, my wife, as well as the kids. Show her and the kids by your actions that you really love them and you're there to support them, and they are the most important people in your life. Work will come and go, your family won't. Um, so so next one I, I I wish I told myself was ask for help. You always think, okay, I'm going to struggle through this. I can achieve this. Um, find a find a good friend who you can just literally just let off at and, and, and get, get support from and lean on. One thing is you, you don't teach your kids anything, but they learn everything from you. So you're not there as a teacher, you're there as a role model. Uh, have firm boundaries. I thought I didn't uh, in, in hindsight. And, and even if I didn't, I didn't stick to them. Um, never, never blame them. Kids, they, they're, they're discovering, they're learning, they're exploring, they're testing boundaries. Never blame, blame them. Um, they don't know how to grow up perfectly. It's your role to, to, to help them. It's not their, their fault at all. And another, another one is don't, don't let the, the, the experiences that you've had with your, your parents and your upbringing influence negatively how you deal with your kids. Don't, don't sort of pass that down, but have a fresh approach. And, and of course, the good things about how you were, you were parented, but bring them to the fore, but not the bad stuff. Don't don't um, avoid stuff, or, and and don't um, don't try and force them to be who you are or who you want them to be. Mm. Uh, help help them and nurture them to discover who they are and be confident in who they are, uh, and uh, and they'll fly and they'll be brilliant. So yeah, some some really good lessons learned there, David. I think you yeah. So so you had Josie when you were kind of in your late twenties, and that was a, a num- number of years ago. So at the time, did your employer give you the, the flexibility and allow you to put in place those boundaries that you needed, do you think, from your kind of personal experience? Um, from my personal experience, it was very much down to the individual, to myself, to um, stick with it. I don't think there was that much active support. There, there were the kind of, yes, of course, go to, you know, if you need to go home early for a particular your kid's not well or what have you then then yes but but it wasn't um i don't think it was actively supported and the 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 people i was with that the, the norm was not to bring the family to to work so bring, mm. bring emotions and what have you to work and, and i found it quite difficult because it's a bit like um you know if you break your leg you can't come to work without your leg if you're having real struggles at home and it's not going well and there's sleepless nights etc then you can't go, go switch a switch and come to work and suddenly. Mm. That's all. Um, so I, I, f- I found it quite tough. And with the first one, the second, third, and then the fourth one, it was it was it was really tough. So I, I think that employers can and should have more active support for people who have families in 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 a way which uh, wasn't taking place in in you know the nineteen nineties. And I suppose that's that's quite a nice kind of segue into this part of the of the chat. So. You, you were employed a long time. You're now an independent consultant. You have you work with and see uh, lots of different organisations and also other consultants who are parents and work with different different companies. So it would be great to get your views on 
having seen a lot of the insurance industry, if things have changed during your time being in it in terms of the support for working parents? So, so I, th- I think it has got better uh, and, and that's, that's great. Is there room to improve? Of course, there, there is. Uh, I, th- I think the, uh, that there is still a feeling of, well, come on, I, 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 I pay you to do a job, just come and do the job uh, and kind of sort it out, sort your own life, don't bring your home life in, in, into, into work, which I think is, an, is, is old thinking. I think also the one of the very um, few things that the coronavirus has as a result as a positive thing is the ability for uh, people to work from home a lot more. Uh, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. It, it, it brings its own challenges in terms of making sure boundaries and are in place and work just doesn't fill your whole life. But but it it, it allows employees to balance the home and work life. They're not sitting, you know, I commuted into London pretty much every day for 24 years that's a lot of hours sitting on a on a train Mm -hmm. and so yes you clearly people still need to come into the office uh, a couple of days a week or whatever but I I think that's been a really positive outcome and uh, I I think employees can uh, insurance industry can do more in terms of practical steps um, advice support uh, financial advice if financial finances are getting a bit tight um, parental advice um, do you find, David, that um, that dads in particular in the workforce find it harder to talk about being a dad and the challenges that come with it? Because I feel like there's you know, a bit of a social norm that dads sort of are the breadwinners and the rock of the family and they just sort of get on with it. I, I think there's a sort of a front that you can have in a, in a company where, well, you know, everything's OK, we're going to work well, we're going to achieve our objectives and it's all fine and what have you. Uh, but you kind of pick under the surface and actually people have insecurities, have concerns, have worries, have issues at home. Uh, ha- having kids puts considerable pressure on your relationship with your partner, my, you know, my wife for, for me. And so uh, the ability to really talk about that uh, and get support would have been so much uh, better, easy, you know, helpful for me, as opposed to we're all, we're all right, Jack, we're OK, it's all fine, we'll, we'll crack on with the next meeting. I can imagine that that, must have been quite challenging you know if, if there was an element of not being able to fully kind of be authentic um, and show those emotions and open up about home life at work when you come home you've already mentioned that you then have to kind of switch the work stuff off as well and switch back into that family zone so I can imagine that that's quite emotionally and cognitively quite challenging to have to balance that on a, on a day-to-day so looking back on it you know I wish I'd given you many more hugs when you came in the door really <laughs> And being a bit more appreciative of the project management lectures, Josie. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it is so interesting, isn't it? Because it, um, when you grow older, you get this new perspective on things. And especially, I think, doing this series and this this podcast and speaking to so many parents, you just think back and you think, oh, my goodness, I had no idea how much my mum and dad were going through and how mm. much they had to juggle. And actually, I think as a child, the whole way through, really, you're very self-centred. You kind of only really see the world from your perspective. And when that awareness sinks in, you kind of wish you could go back in time and redo everything. But, you know, you can't because that's just a normal part of life. But hopefully the fact that that recognition comes in later is better than not, not at all. So, <laughs> I, th- I think just, uh, just to kind of uh, build on that, um, for me, uh, raising family, the best, by far the best thing I've ever done. No question. Um, it's also the hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, and often they do uh, uh, come, come, come together. But Raj, coming back to your question, 
about what's changing the workplace. I think early on, I, I really felt for the, uh, the the women I was working with, the mums I was working with, because they felt really, really guilty by saying, sorry, half past four, I've got to, I've got to leave for child, I've lost my childcare. And if there's a real guilt there, and I was going, no, no, you, you, your mum, you've got to get back and, and do that. And I think the more that uh, we in the insurance industry can be more uh, understanding of the um, f- full context of someone's life, not just, hang on, you're here paid to do a job, get on and do it. Uh, I th- that can only be be a positive yeah. thing. I don't think I ever heard someone say, a, a man, a, a dad say, I saw I've got to leave at 4.30 because of picking up from childcare. Now that, t- that tells you something. Mm. And it, it only takes one senior manager, senior leader to make some quip or some joke mm. uh, yeah. that, that, that is perhaps intended as a, as a humorous joke but that actually undermines uh, and, 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 and kind of reinforces stereotypes, reinforces guilt or what have um, uh, And And I, I think we should just really kind of ban that and help people to be the best versions of themselves and, and their whole selves, including their family and their work life. And I think in, in increasingly in, as talent becomes more and more scarce and, 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 and um, there's, there's, you want to attract the best people to your company, then attract the whole person, not just the nine to five. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've kind of touched on it there a little bit, but from your perspective, having worked in in the industry, why should those senior leaders, those insurance companies, those the businesses that you work with, why should they care about this conversation? And why why does it matter? I think that the more you have motivated people who are really buying into the actual culture and, and ethos of your company rather than the espoused one then the the more effective they'll be uh, the more effective you'll be as an organization the better reputation you'll have as an organization and that can only benefit the bottom line in fact i can see a, a, a lot more kind of power or uh, influence going to the employees go actually i don't want to work for this company anymore i'm going to walk over, work over here the idea of being in an organization for many you know the whole career is, is 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 gone anymore. I think there's much more uh, need for the employer to create an environment that people want to want to come and work there, um, rather than going, well, this is what we do and that's it. We've always done it like this and we've been successful. I think times are changing, uh, and the more that they really do look after the whole person, um, then then that can only be positive because I if you treat somebody well, they'll tell other people and that will grow, and the, you know, the reputation will will benefit the organisation. No, no, no question at all, and I, and I do think that's changing. Yeah, that's that's really good to hear. Um, I just wanted to circle back around to a previous point. We were talking about the coronavirus in particular and how that's changed um, working and and living sort of balance. Um, obviously, given the technology that we've got these days, um, the ability to sort of WebEx means essentially that we can work. Uh, wherever we are and increasingly that's from home um, do you think that's had a positive impact on the ability to to parent while while working on balance yes but it's a bit of a double-edged sword I, I think because we now literally you can literally work anywhere from the car as you're waiting to pick up the kids from the ballet class or whatever it is um, then suddenly you you can be a lot more flexible you can be location independent you can be a lot more effective uh, you don't have to come into the office to to work. I think that's, that's brilliant from that perspective. The downside is uh, that that suddenly work can be everywhere in in your in your life. Um, 
what's the, the first thing you look at in the morning and the last thing you look at at night? Apart from your partner, obviously. <laughs> it's your smartphone. Uh, so suddenly yeah. you're, you're being bombarded with with messages and potentially work messages, emails and WhatsApps and Slack messages and, and stuff. And I think it places a lot of emphasis on the individual to put in those boundaries and almost put the phone up, you know, put the phone away, put the emails away. Don't look at it at the weekends. If, if your boss phones you at late at night, don't answer. And I love the people who, who when they send an email on the weekend or so, have a footer that says, I'm choosing to work here. I don't expect you to, either, mm. you know, as well. I think that's a great. Yeah. Now, they're sending the email at the weekend, so they're kind of demonstrating by behaviours, uh, leading by behaviours. But I like the way they're acknowledging that. Because you can be a lot more flexible and it is beneficial. And maybe, yeah, you do want to work in the evenings because you spend the afternoon looking after the kids. Great. But control it. It can take over your life otherwise. It does seem like boundaries have been a really um, like common theme throughout this episode. Um, and and at this point, David, what, what we like to do is we, we've been asking all of our guests um, who've been on the Parenthood uh, Diaries series what their top a tip would be for a working parent so perhaps you'd like to share yours sure my top tip is pretty simple work will always be there in different shapes and forms but your family won't be no stage lasts forever uh things change kids grow up my top tip is cherish and love them as much as you can Uh, let them know that they are loved through your time predominantly and always focus on building their self-confidence and and courage to be themselves Uh, i've always told josie she'll be brilliant at whatever she does and i'm so i was so immensely proud to walk down the aisle with her uh for a wedding a few weeks ago i love you josie and i always will (laughs) love you too thank you for listening to the parenthood diaries if you like what you heard please rate review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform And hey, why not even share this episode with a friend? We want to hear from you. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at risky underscore mix to take part in the upcoming polls and let us know what you thought of this episode. Let's keep the conversation going. And just one more thing. Do you have an amazing tip which will help out fellow working parents? Film a 60 second clip for social media, LinkedIn or Twitter or both with your response to life of a working parent, your top tip. Use hashtag ParentLife and don't forget to tag us so we can see all the great advice. I know I'm looking for all the advice I can get right now. 